Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest edition of the Skewed and Reviewed Skewedcast. I'm Gareth, creator of Skewed and Reviewed, and you can catch us online at sknr.net as we talk all things movies, games, television, pop culture, travel, entertainment, hardware, and more. You can also catch us online at Pinal Central, P-I-N-A-L, central.com, and keyword skewed. We have a network of uh, 12 newspapers and 20 markets we do game reviews for. We have our own Skewed and Reviewed, the magazine. I'm working on the next issue for March right now. And, of course, you can catch me each week on BJ Shea's Geek Nation on KSW-FM, which is an intercom station syndicated. Uh, we also appear on Sci-Fi Radio each week, a lot of uh, different outlets. So uh, we're trying to get back on a more normal recording schedule instead of doing them later in the week, doing them on Sunday. And it just works a little easier with our schedule. We've got Michael and Justin back again so we're going to go through a little bit of the news of the week uh maybe take a look at some of the things that are uh coming ahead of us but first off i wanted to go over a couple of pieces of hardware a couple of older ones and a couple of newer ones you've heard me from time to time talk about the phoenix f-e-n-i-x um headlights and uh, flashlights things like that you go to phoenix-store.com and i mentioned headlights because they have a uh, personal headlight right now that we have someone who is a regular bike rider up in the uh, Seattle area. He rides his bike to and from his day job, and uh, he often leaves early in the morning, comes back later in the afternoon. He's talked to me about, um, you know, it's often just completely dark when he leaves, and he's gone out in bad weather and so on and so forth. And he recently purchased a very expensive, I believe he said it was in the $500 range, light out of Australia. Well, lo and behold, it became a victim of vandalization, and he had to replace it. Well, while he was waiting for that, Phoenix had a brand new light come out, and he tried that, ironically, right as his replacement arrived. And he said they are absolutely fantastic. He's going to be doing a written review, and he said it's like having a couple of very good headlights on the front of his bike so he's been very happy about that obviously uh there are other products for the day-to-day -day use and one of them starts at just 26.95 and that's the phoenix e12 version 20 uh AA flashlight so running with a couple double a batteries you've got an aluminum bottom very tough very reliable very high uh output on this that you can clip it to your uh, keychain you can clip it to uh, your belt and it just gives you 160 lumens on high and it's also waterproof and extremely durable and so this is a good thing to for people on the go looking for a flashlight to help them find their keys or heaven forbid you have a breakdown or anything like that that's the phoenix e12 version 2.00 uh, the other one is a higher priced unit it's 69.95 and that's the phoenix e35 version 3.0 and this has a, an incredible 3000 lumens so you've got a really high output for this it is very tough very durable uh, aluminum body and this is more for your heavy use for when you need to really go out and look around beyond uh, just you know checking your keychain and uh you know, looking on the floor ahead of you if you drop something when you're outside. This is more like if you're checking out your backyard or if you're having to go inventory something in a dark place, your power goes out, uh, especially ideal for outdoorsmen. And if you're going out that 
into the woods, uh, this would be one that you definitely want. So that's the Phoenix E35. So guys, uh, a lot of interesting stuff going on. We've got some news this week that uh, came down today that Hasbro has just cut a new deal to continue making Star Wars uh, themed merchandise as well as Indiana Jones themed merchandise. Since we don't have our regular toy fair to look forward to next month, um, we, we do have the licensing expo coming up in Las Vegas, and Mark will be handling that, and he's also going to be doing the Level Up Expo as we wait to find out what's going on with the other shows. I can tell you we do have PAX East still happening and ready to go, and I'm you know waiting to hear about WonderCon. So uh, we'll start with you, Justin. What do you think? No, I, New uh, toys from Hasbro. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's good you know, that um, you know, there's still stuff coming out, stuff to look forward to. Um, kind of looking forward to see if there's uh, some some new cool uh, figures for um, for all sorts of different franchises that they they cover. Yep. And Michael, your take? Yeah. So I'm an avid collector. So I, you know, I've I've been collecting the Hasbro stuff for years, and then you know after they took over Kenner and they started producing the toy line. So I don't think there's any surprise there. I am interested to see the Indiana Jones take on the characters I, you know are they going to model them after the original um action figures are we going to see a lot more uh diversity in that line um so obviously that's that's a pretty exciting thing but yeah they've been knocking out of the park i think in general with uh releases for quite a while now you know star wars adan jones gi joe obviously and all the major toy lines that go along with that so um so yeah i i think they've they've got they've released some fairly um nice quality figures the black line has been um particularly impressive um so yeah it's just more stuff to fill up my room and closet but um i'll continue to collect as they continue to release oh that's it's going to be interesting to see what happens because there gets to a point where you sit there and you say okay you don't want to tip your hand too much about the new films but as we all know from the star wars prequels you started to see toys. Uh, I mean, they had the battle droid. Uh, what, what was it on the, the STP um, platform flying around? They had that toy out months before the movie even came out. So, you know, it, it certainly made things really interesting. And that's uh, with Indiana Jones not coming out until next year. There's obviously going to be a lot of speculation. And I'm sure as thorough as they are with the security, you know, there's always the you know, mock-ups that start to arrive and people say this is an early uh, indication of what's coming. So it'll be really, really interesting to see what comes down the line. But I think it's exciting because, you know, there's so much Star Wars stuff coming. We've got Indiana Jones coming and why not? And, you know, it, I, is it too far to think that this might also include the Willow TV series if it becomes popular? I mean, who knows? Uh, did want to mention real quick before we go on to the next topic, uh, Rocat has released the SYN, S-Y-N Buds, uh, the core set. And these are actually really great in that they're affordable. They're wired 3.5 millimeter gaming earbuds, $24.99, and they work with the Nintendo Switch. So if you're looking for a good, reasonably priced set of earbuds uh, that'll work with your gaming uh, platforms, this is definitely one to check out. So uh, this week, guys, we had a lot of news come out that... Um, new Star Wars games were on the way. It was not really a secret that 
a Jedi Fallen Order game was uh, sequel was going to be in the works and coming, but we got a little more than we expected, and that was simply the news that Respawn has not one but three games in the works, and one of them is a sequel to Jedi Fallen Order 2. One of them is referred to as a Star Wars first-person shooter game. It's important to remember that the folks behind Respawn were the folks who started Infinity Ward and Call of Duty, and then a Star Wars strategy game uh, that's being done with them in Bitreactor. So, Michael, we'll start with you. What do you think? I, I mean, these are exciting things. The Star Wars franchise has always been, I think, a huge missed opportunity for a lot of these games, right? Like um, Battlefront, Battlefront 2, they were decent enough shooter games. Uh, but we've been kind of, you know, up until we saw the release of Jedi Fallen Order, I think there's been a lot of, uh, you know, again, missed opportunities for, for development of games. Uh, so, yeah, I think these are pretty exciting I like the strategy game idea. I'm hoping it kind of takes us back to um, some of the, the older RTS-type games that they had released uh, back in the day. Uh, obviously, first-person shooters um, can be anything from a another Jedi Knight type, type of game, uh, which was a kind of a focus on, on um, Kyle Katarn, and it focused a lot on uh, as a shooter initially, but then became more of a, uh, a Jedi-type game. Um, lightsaber game as he progressed in that storyline but i would like to see you know maybe some revisit of that particular character um and i think you know again first person shooters are a good opportunity um to do those kind of things so um so yeah i like i like that we're seeing a lot of um opportunities for some of these games obviously just like anything else we've been teased before with game titles only to have those pulled away or canceled so obviously we'll have to wait and see how uh how these things actually pan out uh, and how we, you know, what we actually get from them. But yeah, I think, um, again, I think it's been a missed opportunity, generally speaking. I'm obviously excited for the uh, Old Republic um, remaster that's gonna be coming out. And just in general, I think I think there's a lot of, um, when you're not restricted to one studio um, creating games, I think it gives you a lot more opportunities to be a little bit more innovative and revisit stuff that maybe hadn't been revisited in a while. Absolutely. Justin, your take on this, please. Yeah, I definitely think uh, Michael has really good points there that, um, you know, uh, there can be some benefits if it's all under one umbrella. Um, but I think the the issue is I, I think EA didn't quite live up to the potential um, for the franchise. They had it for many years. And uh, like Michael noted, uh, the Battlefront games were pretty good, but they... Um, they struggled a little bit. They tr struggled to um, uh, for traction, and mm -hmm. I think um, the first EA game that was actually really stellar was uh, Fallen Order. Um, so I think that was a a big problem for them because they had it for that many years, and uh, Fallen Order was clearly the the best game under the EA umbrella. So it kind of makes sense that um, there's a lot more emphasis on respawn. Now I, I am very curious. Like uh, Michael also noted that they they have um, you know a repertoire for um, or it was you Gareth that noted that they have a you know some experience with Call of Duty and Titanfall, Titanfall two. Um, so you know I think going back to a first person shooter is going to be very comfortable for them. So I'm really curious to see what they do with that. I, I'm, I'm with Michael. I, I really hope it's a, 
uh, Kyle Katarn game personally. Uh, I, I don't really expect that. It's been so long, but, you know, never say never. I mean, I, I think uh, another Dark Forces game would be absolutely uh, stellar. Um, the one that really makes me curious is that strategy game because, one, it, it's not something that um, Respawn has really a lot of experience with. Uh, not that that's really a bad thing, but, um, you know, the other issue is that the, the real-time strategy genre, which is one of my favorite genres uh, for video games, is is kind of dead these days. Uh, not a lot of re- real-time strategy games coming out. You know, they used to be kind of big blockbusters, you know, with StarCraft oh, 2. They were incredible. StarCraft and WarCraft and, I mean, yeah. yeah and I there mean, were tons of knockoffs. Yeah, and I, th- I think it's just tastes have changed over time. I mean, there are some RTS games out there, um, you know. Command and Conquer, Dune, Red Alert. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Age of Empires 4 is, is really yeah. the, the one that comes to mind that's recent. Um, and I don't know critically how successful that was. I you know, I've been a fan of the Age of Empire games since the first one. But but yeah, I, it's, it's one of the areas Empire that I. Earth. Yeah, I mean, I still I still love those those titles myself. And I would love to see. Um, an RTS again in that universe, but but you know, Justin, to your point, I just don't know what the viability is of, of a title like that these days. Yeah, and I think I think the 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 key to it is uh, if they set their scope uh, in the correct kind of frame. So I, another good example was that uh, Squadrons game that came out uh, yep. like a year a year ago or a couple years ago at this point. You know, again. Uh, those kind of like fighter squadron or fighter sim uh, games used to be pretty popular, like way, way back in the day. Um, mm-hmm. They, they aren't quite, a, a, it's not really quite a big genre anymore, but I think EA kind of, they knew kind of how successful uh, they knew what the ceiling was going to be. So they set the price, I think in the correct frame. And I, you know, I, I think that would be, I hope that they kind of approach this with the correct mindset of, you know, how, with an expectation of how much it's actually going to make for them. Um, and then, you know, just briefly touching on some of the others, uh, you know, obviously Knights of the Old Republic, absolutely uh, really excited to see that. Uh, Fallen Order 2 uh, and, um, you know, this kind of open world Star Wars game from Ubisoft. So I think there's like a lot to look forward to. I do agree that, you know, bringing it out from EA, I think, is going to be better in the long run. I mean, the the trade-off is, you know, some of these games might not be uh, high quality, but because, you know, when when it's, when you, um, when you expand it out like that way, you know, it, uh, you never know what you're going to get. So we'll, we'll have to kind of see how it goes, but I, I'm, I'm pretty excited. And like you said, it is a trade-off. There is the advantage of being able to say, you're not the only one in town anymore, so you don't get the ability to talk up a big game and then under-deliver with the, well, we've got this for the next few years, so as long as we make a profit, we're great. And hey, it's Star Wars, so it's going to get attention and it's going to sell. Now you have direct competition breathing down your neck, so the next time you have an idea they get the hammer of being able to say, yeah, yours was good, but it sold half of what your previous one did, and these guys over here sold three times as many, so maybe we're going to have a chat with them. And, you know, from the consumer standpoint, it's a good thing because there are going to be options, there'll be competition. But as we also saw in the past, we also saw a lot of games being thrown out under Lucasfilm that 
were not bad, but perhaps people were just writing on the Star Wars name. And then we can talk about a lot of the console games that, let's be honest, some of them were really bad and some of them were really good. So let's hope that this time around we'll get a better um, output. Yeah, so, and, and real quick, Gareth, to that point, mm-hmm. too, is I, I, don't, I think people are beginning to learn that um, the Star Wars name itself isn't enough to sell a game or for it to be successful. I think so. I, I, I'm hoping that means that we'll see higher quality from some of these studios knowing that they have to deliver because the name alone um, may not may not drive the revenue that it used to by itself. Exactly. And we saw that with a lot of franchises. We're going to talk about the Alien franchise in a bit. And, you know, we saw that with Aliens Colonial Marines. That was a prime example that, oh, it's an alien, you know, team shooter. At least that's how it was sold. And this is going to boom, boom, boom. And this is going to be great. And it's alien. Well, that doesn't work. That's, you know, that's the beautiful uh, dilemma that these guys have to have is that the one that worked was Alien Isolation not the run-and-gun shooter. So you also have to find the right thing. And you had mentioned the Star Wars real-time strategy. They had tried that uh, a few times. And, you know, there was this, well, we're going to do some of it set in space and some of it set on the ground. And the the problem is I think they're realizing that Star Wars, while it has lots of action, it has a driven narrative. It has hard heroes. It has hard villains. Just simply lining up generic ships and saying, this is the Empire, this is the Rebellion or the, you know, the Galactic Republic, doesn't work. You have to have some kind of driving story. And I think that was one of the main things that worked so well with Jedi Fallen Order. We didn't know who these characters were. And it was such a long game that we got to know them along the way, but they left enough open that you still had questions that could be answered at a later date. I mean, his crew that he ends up with there's some really fascinating backstories on there that can be explored um you know and then of course they brought in some notable characters as well so i think that'll be really really intriguing to see where they go now uh this week we get the release of dying light 2 that'll be out on friday the long delayed game is finally coming to pc and consoles I can tell you that I have been playing it. Um, I'm not allowed to say much more than that until uh, the second, but early in the morning on the second, we will have a PC gameplay loaded up so you can see uh, about an hour worth of gameplay. Uh, so uh, check that out. I'm looking forward to sharing that with you. But the last thing I wanted to talk about this week was uh, news that the pending Alien TV series is going to be pushing back its start date. Originally, the plan was they would start filming in the spring, and now we're told it's going to happen over the summer as they continually do um, some upgraded location shooting. And so we wanted to talk about that. And then also a um, lot of news today during the football playoffs, the trailer for the television version of Halo dropped. So Justin's start with you what do you make of alien and what do you make of this halo news all right um so uh obviously um i'm the resident alien dude because uh you know i came from an alien versus predator uh fan site that i ran for quite some time you know it's, it's been in my blood for a really long really really long time um 
so in a sense i am in a sense i am looking forward to this show um anything that's new in this franchise uh, uh obviously i want to you know check it out and, and see how it goes but the more i see and kind of hear about the direction of the show and some of the leaks that have happened um supposed leaks so you have to kind of take some of the stuff with a grain of salt um so supposedly there was a leaked design of uh of an alien creature that will be in the show um and i i kind of have some gripes with it uh if it's true um you know and in general you know i kind of try to balance these things out so on one hand i i i do really really like and i think i mentioned this in previous podcasts that i do really like um noah hawley's work he uh uh, was behind the Fargo TV show, um, which the three seasons of it that I've watched were absolutely incredible. So, and I, I've heard really good things about Legion as well. So, you know, on that sense, like, you know, with that name behind it, um, that gives me some level of, uh, of confidence. But uh, I've mentioned before that I'm not really keen on the idea of setting anything in the alien universe on Earth. I mean, unless it's in very kind of specific um context so setting my, my issue is if you put anything with the xenomorph on earth i think that really really undermines the the whole plot of um of ripley's quest really of ripley's story the, of the over the, those three movies well even four movies um her goal was to prevent the alien from from getting to earth and that was kind of my issue with a lot of the Alien vs. Predator stories and the Alien vs. Predator movies is that um, they're set, you know, in modern day and they were already here. So so it really kind of undermines, you know, her entire goal. It really kind of means it's, it's really not that important because they were already here. Um, I kind of have some issues with that. Um, now, we don't quite know for sure if that's what's going on. You know, I'm fine with a story that, you know, starts on Earth, you know, introduce your characters and then, you know, go... Uh, fly off into space somewhere else and then th that's where you find the xenomorph um that i think would be much more natural and obviously i'd be much more fine with that but the other issue too i'm a little concerned about is that um whenever you kind of show um an area or a setting uh in a in a story that has a lot kind of built up um you know within like the background and, and the lore, I guess, uh, of your universe and you show it, it really has to kind of live up to what people have built up in your mind. So I, my example of this is, uh, that, that was handled poorly is there was a show on Netflix called altered carbon. Uh, I don't know if either of you saw it, but, oh, uh, I saw it. <laughs> uh, pretty, pretty decent show. I liked the premise. I mean, I, I didn't really like where the show went uh, after the first uh, kind of half of the show, but um, they they kept talking about this particular event that happened like a hundred years before the show. It was like very important, and then they went and did a uh, a flashback episode and actually showed the event, and it was like way way underwhelming compared to how it was described. Um, so I kind of feel the same way about Earth in the Alien universe. Um, I kind of like the idea that the alien universe focuses on the fringes of the galaxy. Um, you know, the areas like that are much more what, what we would can kind of consider a rural area of the galaxy unlived, um, you know, the, these kind of fringe colonies. And I think that really hits the, um, the tone 
and the uh the kind of like spooky nature that the that the universe is kind of going for in the movies um now i i, I have also said in, in the past you know that the my dream kind of alien show would just be you know you set uh a show on a on a like a marine ship and you just follow a, a, a group of marines as they go to you know fringe college and fringe colony and like deal with different things that happen like throughout the you know the fringes of the galaxy i think that would make a great um premise for a tv show uh maybe a little expensive but you know i, I think it, it you know you could get five seasons out of that and you wouldn't even have to really deal with the alien too much um my my concern with this show given that uh there's some descriptions with about what some of the characters um what it's going to be about uh because there was a uh, a casting um some people found some some information about the casting calls uh for particular characters um it just seems like it is dealing with quite a few kind of really heady weird things that um i don't quite know are going to fit uh but you know just a healthy dose of skepticism we'll, we'll see i'm not i'm obviously not writing it off I'm, I'm eager to see it but um i'm just a little maybe a little bit concerned and then um just quickly into into halo the the trailer looked really good um you know kind of same thing i'm i'm slightly mixed on a couple things about it just because um i think the visuals of anything that has to do with the halo universe looks incredible like the the covenant looked great um Master Chief's suit looks great, the weapons look great, uh, and the other Spartans look great. Um, the only thing I'm a little bit hesitant on is uh, a lot of the, you know, extra material, the original material kind of surrounding the Halo stuff that's in the trailer kind of looks a little kind of generic to me, like like a, what you would expect in kind of just a generic uh, sci-fi TV show you'd get these days. Um, but, uh, again, I'm, I'm looking forward to that one as well. Uh, as far as, like, you know the cgi of the the halo elements i think they absolutely nailed it yeah i think you're right because that was exactly what i said going okay it looks like tip it looks like really good tv cgi for the uh you know visuals but the live action segments basically looked like on a budget i didn't see any star power in the trailer um it looks like very much like a lot of these I hate to say it, but it looks like a lot of these shows that are filmed up in Canada where they, you know, they put together a cast and they go very basic on the sets. They go very basic on the costumes and such, but then they go all out on the visual effects. So, you know, we'll see what what happens with that. Um, Michael, why don't you give us the final thoughts on both of these to wrap us up? Uh, Yeah, so I'll start with Halo. I don't know if either of you had ever watched Halo Forward Unto Dawn. Um, it was a director DVD release live action um, movie set in the Halo universe, which I thought was done really well. Um, it wasn't a big fe- they didn't really feature Master Chief until the very end. It was more focused on the Academy and that sort of thing. But I thought they had done a really good job with that. And so I think if they uh, from the from the commercial, obviously the visuals were significantly better. Uh, I thought it looked really good. Uh, and I think it's this is one of those things that I think is just meant to be a Again, I think it's too early for us to see what the story is going to entail. Um, I kind of like the fact that they don't go star power because I think star power tends to ruin a lot of these types of shows. I think you're better off using newer newer actors that are actually um, 
fit the fit the roles and fit the parts more than going with somebody just because they're a star. And I've had, you know, we've been burned by that several times in the past. Um, Batman and Robin being the the one that comes to mind first and foremost, but there have been others where the the star power um, overshadows the rest of the things. So I kind of like that they went with no names. Um, kind of like the CW shows did. I think the CW shows are are significantly better from a DC universe than any of the DC movies of recent memory. Um, and those, a lot of those actors probably would have done better in the, in the role uh, in the movies than the movie versions of themselves. So, um, so no, I think this is, I think it's a good thing for that reason. And I'm, and I look forward to it again. I don't know story wise, how, how it's going to come together. Um, you know, I, I don't. It, it, again, it's one of those things where you have, yeah, you have your super soldiers taking on the bad guys. You know, we've all seen that played out, you know, over and over and over again. Various other um, sci-fi type things. So I don't know if it's going to have anything to distinguish that, but we'll see. Uh, from the alien side, yeah, I'm a little bit mixed myself on that. I mean, and Justin made a lot of good points, and being the resident expert, obviously, I defer to mo a lot of his judgment on those things, but I, but I agree. I, I think uh, it's the same kind of issues I, I had with um, Prometheus and some of those other things where, you know, it kind of, I don't know, when you watch the first Alien, it sounds as though this is one of the first contacts they've had with the Xenomorph. They want to investigate it to find out what it's capable of, you know, bring it back to Earth and, and dissect it, that sort of thing. But then you go to the Prometheus movies and all of a sudden it's like, oh, no, they've known about these things forever. And it's really not, not a big surprise. And uh, I don't know. So when, it, when we start talking about these things, I like, the, I like the idea of a political intrigue from a corporation perspective. If they focused on that and not on the alien itself, focused more on Wayland yutani and how it did business and it focused on its outer rim activities and, and that sort of thing, it made it more like a political intrigue type of show and didn't focus so much on the alien itself maybe be a little bit more interesting but then um what you're going to do is you know it, it takes it away from an alien type show and it becomes something else entirely comes uh, the wayland yutani chronicles right so so yeah i mean i just i i don't know i, I like justice said I, I i think that if you the more the more they do this kind of stuff kind of like with alien versus predator and i always kind of take those movies as a potentially alternate universe type scenario, you know, yep. where it didn't, the stuff that occurred didn't occur in the same universe that Ripley existed in. Right. Cause again, if, if everybody on earth has seen these before where it's not a, <laughs> what's where, what's the whole, the big deal about, you know, the first movie. So I agree. So in this case, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like I said, I understand the need to have the alien, in the mo in the show, that's the whole point, right? And that's what you're going to be drawing a lot of folks to it. Um, but then, but then to to what to the extent that we see it, um, I'll be curious. So, yeah, I'm mixed. I mean, obviously, I'm all about new adventures in this thing. We've obviously seen the types of stories that can be delivered via streaming over the course of 10 episodes, 12 episodes, where they can draw out the story more versus like a two hour movie. So I, I like that concept of that idea because it allows you to build on the characters, build on the, the story, build on the scope. Um, and again, there's a lot of movies that would have benefited from that level of detail and being able to be told over a, an eight hour or a, sorry, eight episode um, TV series versus trying to shove everything into a two hour movie. 
but but yeah, we'll see. I'm you know, I'm cautiously excited, but at the same time, I it I I don't want us to go down this this path where you know to be fair, Alien and Predator to that extent really need to get some stuff knocked out of the park. I think um, because I think that will fuel the drive for the movies, fuel the money and the interest in those, so they can actually deliver on on some more cinematic type things. Uh, I just don't know if that's going to be the thing to do that. You know, it's interesting, and I wanted to end on uh, an announcement. They uh, Free League Publishing, who has done the phenomenal alien role-playing game, as well as the expansion they did, the recent Colonial Marine books, uh, last week they announced Alien Heart of Darkness, and it is the next uh, expansion chapter. It's coming out. They refer to it as a new cinematic scenario for the Alien RPG game. They say it's a standalone adventure, but it, it serves as a conclusion to the Cronus Strain saga that uh, you know had begun in, one, in Chariot of the Gods and Destroyer Worlds and so on and so forth. So it's really interesting. Uh, we put this up. It got picked up by some of the alien groups on Reddit and stuff. Massive traffic out of it. In fact, this was probably the biggest traffic-wise news story we had last week. So I look at that and I say... The passion and the fan base is there. They've just had so much bad material in terms of games, in terms of movies, uh, over the last you know, 20, 30 years. So they're cautiously optimistic. And when you get something like this that is proven to be consistently good quality, they come out and they come out in droves. And that's kind of what the challenge Disney has is, you know, a lot of these fan groups are also into Predator because of the connection between the franchises. Uh, there was cautious optimism, uh, optimism about the Marvel comic line. That seems to have done very well. And so, you know, let's hope better things are ahead. And that is going to do it for us this week, folks. Everybody take care, stay safe, and we'll talk to you next week. Until then, be well. <laughs>